Yo, what's up, everyone? This is the uh, Politicor Podcast. I'm Dylan. I'm Evan. And uh, yeah, gotta had to do had to we had to do an episode. We don't have we don't have a guest. We don't have a topic. We don't got shit. Um, we haven't. Uh, myself and Evan have both been pretty busy. Evan's been like moving. Um, all of my personal possessions are slowly just getting fucking destroyed. Uh, so that's been great. <laughs> um, so yeah, we got. We don't have much for you. This one's just kind of a, almost a mixed bag, if you will. Uh, what, do, what do you think, Evan? Yeah, I think we cover a lot of territory. Um, I think a lot of it is touching on themes that we've dipped our toes to, into in previous episodes. Uh, and this one, we possibly go into more depth. Um, I, I don't know. It was a worthwhile conversation on my end, I think that uh, listeners will probably feel like they're a third wheel <laughs> uh, hanging out with us at a show or something. But um, that's awesome for them. Touch on some interesting conversations. I mean, these kind of conversations are the reasons we we decided it'd be fun to do a podcast together to begin with. So, um, yeah, I think it's a return to form in that sense. Hell yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, stay tuned. You know, if you're, uh, you're curious to hear my take on why Trash Talk is the greatest hardcore band of all time, it's in there. Uh, why do I, why am I secretly mad at Military Gun? It's in there. Um, you know, uh, I don't know. I guess you'll have to click play. We'll talk to you guys soon. Yep. Peace. Yo, what's up? I'm sorry, what was that? How's it going? Oh, good. You know, I'm per usual, I'm having the time of my life uh, with everything. That's you. Uh, fun times, Dylan. Yeah, yeah, I'm anyway. You, yeah, you already know. You already know. <laughs> my fucking. My car got fucked up and my computer broke and I got jury duty like all in the span of like three days. So I was just like, damn, this sucks, dude. Like, what the fuck? Like, why did I even open my eyes today? My my hope is that that means that that's a bastion or a, a boon of good luck for you in the near future. Yeah, yeah. I think a flurry of negative things might be like a bird pooping on your car right after you got it washed or something. Mm. It's a good way to look at it. I, uh, I, you know, it during all of this, I had not considered for a second that something in my life might start going well. So that's uh, that's good to know. You know, I guess into existence, dude. Yeah, bless you, bless you, Evan. Um, but anyway, what's up, everybody? This is a uh, Politicor. I'm Dylan. I'm Evan. Today we're just kind of uh, doing an episode just to do it. Um, by now, I think everyone's figured out that we are complete frauds, and no one will come on the show anymore. Uh, so it's just you and me now. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and our our lack of insight will be laid bare. No, yeah, yeah. We're a third person to bounce our ideas off of. No, no, it's just, just, just two insufferable posers that uh, figured out how to use the Anchor app on mobile. 
<laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's us, baby. Um, but yeah, you know what? Uh, we were talking a little bit today because we both, uh, we both, we both caught the brain tourniquet tour in our respective cities. Um, that was fucking sick, dude. Uh, that was. I feel like I've like only been going to see like the like hardcore adjacent style bands. Like I saw like Lurk and Drug Church a while back, and then like on the other side of the coin, like I just go see like Spiky Jacket shit. Like you know, so to see uh, like a good good old home cooked power violence, I was very pleased. Yeah, I um I hadn't seen I'd seen at least Connor. Uh, who's guitarist, vocalist, and also a member of like nine or ten other bi- excellent bands. I'd seen him play in some other of his bands, but I'd never seen Brain Tourniquet. I don't think. I think this is their first time in Arizona. Um, yeah, it was. It exceeded my expectations. I wasn't. I didn't. I don't think I really anticipated that it was going to translate that that well live. But especially with just three members, is super clean, super powerful. Yeah, it was uh, that was a good, good tour for sure. Um, hologram was on our date up here. I don't think uh, I don't think you guys got hologram. But hologram's pretty cool. They covered Youth of Today. Nice. Um, that was sweet. It's kind of sick. We, we were gonna have Sex Prisoner, but that didn't happen. So I was a little disappointed by that, but. Um, you know, seen Sex Prisoner plenty of times, and uh, the folks who stepped on were um, Gestation and Aftermath. And Gestation was the new one uh, who shared, I think, two or three of the same members as Aftermath, um, both Phoenix area bands. Um, excellent stuff. Uh, Really cool stuff with the vocals, especially in gestation, had like really intentional uh, distortion on the vocals, which made it sort of sound like a kaiju monster was on vocals. Um, Okay. And then uh, Magnum Force finished the night, and Magnum Force has always been a favorite of mine. And so, dude, again, that that sounds like that sounds like a really good show. Um, yeah, I uh, it, again, bummer, bummer that Sex Prisoner didn't play because uh, that would have just really been the cherry on top for sure. Yeah, Magnum Force is one of those bands that I've I've decide I've been deciding on whether or not to put them on my uh, underrated list just because it's. In Arizona, everybody knows who they are, but I don't know how well they're appreciated outside of the Southwest. Yeah, that's no, that's that's a very that's a very fair one um, for the style. You know, I think it would have, uh, you know, you think about like all the DFJ bands on the East Coast, and I think mm-hmm. that like, you know, in, you know, in another time, another place, you know, Mag- Magnum Force doing one good East Coast tour might have changed a lot for the band we, I mean, it's easy to speculate we could do this with literally anybody but um they're an interesting case just because again they have that cult following and uh, from from what i can see is is arizona and california ma- mainly um but yeah it would have been interesting to see them uh uh during that that kind of like 2000 
like uh like nine to thirteen era. It would have been interesting to see them been given the pass from all of the uh I hate this term, but it's accurate, the respective gatekeepers of the festival and the tour uh package kind of circuit. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it was um speaking of the festival like last time i saw the first of all last time i was at congress and last time i saw them was at uh sonoran violence um which was a phoenix for those who don't know is a phoenix and tucson area hardcore power violence festival um put on from uh put on by jay from burnout and gay kiss and a hundred other things um and that was just you know i'm I, i'll call it a once in a lifetime thing but hoping that it reemerges and happens again um i was talking to danny last night from magnum force about the fact that um tucson phoenix have this not super great luck at maintaining these really amazing fests that they set up yeah sonoran violence you know it might be a one-year thing but it could also it, it just reminded me a little bit of southwest terror fest which was oh i think a little yeah. ahead of its time because now you've got northwest terror fest doing gangbusters and southwest terror fest is defunct yeah um dude yeah a couple i mean i think i think within these walls was ahead of its time too even though um I think it's public record now that that uh, that that festival kind of kind of tanked, even though uh, even though the lineup for it was always good. And then there was the the King of the Monsters uh, fest that always had incredible bands on it, too. Um, the only festival that I'm thinking off the top of my head that's going strong is just Hoko Fest in Tucson, but mm. that's not really a fair comparison because Hoko utilizes the mixed bill formula, and we're talking strictly like you know, hardcore punk, power violence, you know, metal community fests here. So, and Hoko is um, also, I guess it's not mostly local; it's largely local. Um, there's there's some there's some help for sure some outside yeah. help which make again which which makes it sick i've gone uh a few years now and every single time i've had a blast so southwest terror fest was sort of a entry point for me in terms of getting connected with the local community because I, I you know i i don't have friends outside of the all of my metal and punk friends i've made through the scene they aren't already my friends, you know what I mean? So like, right. Um, which is half the reason I go to shows now is just to like meet up with friends that I don't see anywhere else. It's um, all about, but, um, it speaks to the power of, of music and, um, just the special climate that metal and punk create to create community. Um, because, my wife, I brought her to her first metal show was after we'd been together for like uh, 12 years or something. And it was, um, it was a rare Flagstaff show. It was, um, 
Power Trip Ghoul Black Dahlia Murder. Um, nice. That's a good lineup. Yeah, I was like, here's the here are bands who are gonna be accessible, but also just really good bands. So rather than like, hey, you're gonna kind of get it right away, but it's Volbeat or or something like it's gonna those bands manage to be catchy without sacrificing musicianship or like being interesting metal bands. And I know she was able to leave that show saying, okay, not really my scene, but I get why you, why this is valuable to you. And it's because she could see this community that just crops up, you know, if, if like three or four people come and talk to me just because of the, patches on my jacket and now we are friends you know and she said you know she can't imagine that happening in any other sort of genre show and i think that's true yeah i would i would say that's true um i think uh just to just because this is just kind of the nature of my personality (laughs) i definitely think that's true uh, I think in the the again, this is a very you know. There's always been cool guys and cool girls. There's always been the cool kids table that everybody wants to sit, wants to sit at. Mainly in hardcore and punk, uh, metal has its has its table as well. I think that um, the you know, uh, for example, like where like where I live now, like I see people in band T-shirts all the time. It's super commonplace, right? Like. Me and a dude were at the store yesterday. He had an iron lung shirt on. I was like wearing my punch shirt. We're both looking at ramen in the grocery store trying to figure out which ones are vegan. It's very obvious what we're both doing. We didn't say a word to each other. Did not say a fucking word to each other. What a missed opportunity. I mean, yeah, but you know what? I'm just kind of like, I mean, I don't know. You know, like, what is this? You know, does this guy have a blue check mark on Instagram? If not, like, there's no reason for me to be friends with him. I I have the total opposite approaches listen 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 i do you know i do my band it's uh everything is just all about optics to me i'm just in it for the clout um i uh yeah only in it for For the clout it's the opposite like for me (laughs) community is like so much of it like um um, you, you, you're just, you're just, uh, you're stuck on those hardcore bedtime stories. We're always talking about Evan. Come on. No, it's just a personal <laughs> flaw of like needing to be validated and needing to, uh, have, feel like I've got a friend group. That's, it has nothing to do with like legends of hardcore mythology of being, you know, Hey, every time somebody falls down, you pick them back up. I've seen yeah. that not happen plenty of times. And um, I think that's great for like warming non-metal and punk listeners up to the genre, but I I don't always drink the flavor aid there. Um, but for me, I'm at an age where the music brings me to these shows, but I don't drive three hours a week one way um, to see a band that I've seen six or seven times already. I go because by now I've probably made friends with some of the people who go to see that band. And this is my only time to see them because we live in different cities. Um, 
I'm sort of embarrassed to say that there have been bands, the concerts that I've gone to where I spend the band that I went to see out in the smoking section as a straight edge <laughs> non-smoker catching up with people I haven't seen. Um, and so I don't know if that, I guess that, what that says about my status as a fan, but I'm, yeah, I, there's a social element to for me that's that's uh, creating a lot of value right now, and it's probably just because I've spent the last three years not interacting with anybody. Yeah, yeah, and again, I, I'm actually, you know, you've actually started a very nice conversation here. I I'm kidding, everybody, just for the record, <laughs> I don't do this all for clout. At least that's what I have to tell myself. Um, you know what I mean? Even though I, you know. God, I just need to keep applying. I'll eventually get a blue check mark on Instagram. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, one thing I think is is uh, it's kind of interesting that you've that you've touched on is like you know you're like yeah hey, I'm you know I'm going to these shows because like I actually want to like see people like I know I'm gonna run into some people and we're gonna have a great time you know <laughs> uh, for a, for a lot of people uh, it's like oh fuck like my favorite band's coming but like three of my exes are going to be there. This fucking dude I'm beefing with online is going to be there. Like some dude I got in a fight with two years ago is going to be there. I don't know if we're cool or not. Like, God damn it. Like this is going to be a fucking nightmare. Um, that uh, makes sense too. I managed to at least thus far, keep my nose out of the scene drama. Uh, probably just because of luck, but mostly because I mind my own business. Um, that's definitely why it's because you're a g it's because you're a gem evan i'm gonna say it everybody li everybody listening is listening because they think you're a gem you know they're not listening because they're, they're not fucking listening because they're like yeah i wonder what i wonder what dylan's gonna say you know what I mean? <laughs> it just means that i've never heard a band that i didn't like and met a person that i didn't like um you have a couple you okay oh, yeah, you do have a couple people where i'm just kind of like god damn it evan are you fucking serious <laughs> um I, no but I you know what the lost lambs i want to give them a chance to redeem themselves god see that's amazing i'm gonna be honest see like this is something too and i guess well I'll, again i'll stop joking for a second one thing that's been really difficult for me lately is like i see a really awesome show uh in town and I don't I don't go to it because I want to. I feel like I have to do it. It's like, oh, fuck. Like, I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not getting any younger. Like, if I start saying, oh, I don't need to go to this. Or like, oh, I've, I've seen this band before. Like, I'm going to eventually wean myself off of, like, the whole live music experience. You know, I went to, I went to go see the Municipal Waste, Pig Destroyer, Dwarves, and, like, Spy tour that happened a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I caught that. I just like I went by myself. I was like the whole walk over there. I was like I don't even know. I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't even know why I'm like going to this. I, you know, I've been going to see Municipal Waste since I was like 15 years old. They're one of my all-time favorite bands, and uh, yeah, um, that that was a good show. Um, and I had a nice. I had a great time. You know, um, you know, fucking hit the pit when they played Sadistic Magician. It's uh, one of my favorite songs, but. Uh, at scale, I'm just like, I feel like I'm like really forcing it. Like sometimes like, sometimes even like Karina will be like, you should go, you know, you just need to go, like, go get out of the house and like have fun. And I'm like fun, you know? And I just like kind of stand there by myself. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know where I'm going with this. It's just like, I think that when I look around a lot of rooms too now, 
depending on the bands that are in town is like i do see a lot of like just visible it's usually men in their late 20s and early 30s like just kind of there by themselves and sometimes i wonder if like we're all kind of sitting there just kind of like thinking the same thing like i came out to this because i don't know what else to, to do there's a part of me that can't let this go but my feet hurt you know, you know what i'm saying there's a phenomenon that i took very personally for a long time until um i started seeing articles pop up about it about men in their late 20s and early 30s not having friends and for me it was like it had been like years of me over analyzing and cerebralizing the lack of friendship in my life outside mm. outside you know, my marriage or my gym or whatever and um uh i think it's just a cultural phenomenon where you've got friends in high school out of friends of convenience because you go to the same high school whatever you go off to college or not college and then get into relationships and i don't know if there's a culture that i mean unless you're watching home improvement and buy into the like man cave we're all gonna go watch the game once a once a i don't know how often game capital g games happen once a month or once a week um you don't have a, a friend group of men um and i think I could be just generalizing from my own experience, but I think that hardcore and metal managed to resolve that for me to a degree where, and not just men, obviously, um, but it created a kind of a built-in community for me. Once I had spent a few years going to shows by myself um, and just being that weird wallflower, uh, and, and eventually you start seeing enough of the same people at the same shows and you graduate from nice shirt to, yeah, I saw them and I saw them last September in Austin. And then you are buds eventually. Um, and I think at this point, that's what gets me to shows more often than here's a band that is I'm supposed to go see because um credibility or scene politics or i wrote about them and they'll get their feelings hurt if i don't um at this point i i i've tried to follow my zen master's advice and not should on myself just not should myself into doing things but if it's going to take me three hours to drive to a show and it's a band i've seen plenty of times what's going to get me there is probably who I expect to see there. I only really realized this when I went to go see a band. Um, I've only been to like five concerts since quarantine lifted, maybe seven. And uh, I went to see a band that I'd seen probably more than 10 times. And I drove three hours to see them. And I didn't know anybody there. And I was so bummed the whole time. And it was, it was a great show. But I spent the whole time feeling really existential and lonely and depressed. And uh, then I punished the band thoroughly at the end just because I needed a social outlet. <laughs> hey, you know what? 
that's what bands are for. The, it's actually a life hack. Nobody will tell you this about going to shows. Everybody in every band you love, they want you to like follow them to the van after the show's over and just keep talking to them. And ask them the same questions mm-hmm. that everyone mm-hmm. else asked them, which is like, yep. tour going? What, what city are you going to next? Oh, have shows been going pretty good? I saw yeah. you guys one time before. It's, yeah, again, again, to anybody listening, if your favorite band comes to town, absolutely do that. Stand by their merch table the whole night, too. Don't, don't leave them alone. Like, they're on the road. They're lonely. They need someone to talk to. So that's you, you know? Just get out, get out there and just don't leave your favorite band alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm fully guilty of this. I, um, uh... I've kind of thrown my integrity or dignity into the wind and have started definitely asking for pictures with people I admire more. Although I ask it with friends too. Yeah. I think the dude, Evan, the only photographs of me from like 2019 (laughs) are because you were like, we have to take a picture. And I was like, what? I don't fucking do that. And you were like, get in the picture. Like (laughs) I was going through some sort of crisis where I anticipated an early demise and needed to like chronicle this period uh but yeah i was definitely like let's uh commemorate this day with by taking a picture no nah, you know what I, you know in all honesty and i think our friends in bands who do sometimes listen to us will attest to this is i don't think you bother anybody with any of your demeanor or your behavior it shows and again i'm gonna tie this back into like come the cynical stuff i always say about people at shows and people in bands is is because Evan, you're not you're not in a band. You don't really like you're not trying to like you're not trying to like rub elbows with anybody. You're not trying to like do business uh, at at some of these shows. And a lot of people can attest to like you know like you just think you're meeting somebody casually, or they're coming up to the merch table, and like next thing you know, they're like you know kind of trying to network with you. Which, when done correctly, can be totally fine and totally acceptable. But I think. Uh, uh, for example, your friendship with with some of the some of the more popular Bay Area bands. Um, again, I'm sure everyone in all those bands can attest to the fact that they got weirdos coming at them all the time, and you're just like some dude who like has no ulterior motive. And I think that that is um, just a lonely guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> again, I don't. Hey, even, I, I don't know anybody in California. Can I? Can I? Uh be a remora on your little group while you hang out they're like they're all like yeah fuck it <laughs> like sure <laughs> yeah again they're like they're like well that depends like are you gonna are you gonna like ask us all to like fucking like tour with you or I've got, yeah, do I've a got, split or some shit demo and like, no. my pocket. yeah like it's fine that's why that's why you're so disarming it's uh uh now, if you ever decide to start a band again in your life, I want you to know that that's going to go out the window immediately. <laughs> Everyone's going to immediately be like, uh-oh, he's going to ask if we want to do a split. You know? Well, I can respect it because, and if I had told a younger version of myself that this was going to be the thing I'd be complaining about eventually, I would be incredulous about that. But now I'm at the point and this really sounds like a humble brag coming out of my mouth, but I'm at the point now where I get unsolicited friend requests or follow requests pretty regularly, a couple times a week. Um, 
And, you know, often enough, I'm like, hey, we share a bunch of the same friends, whatever. I'm let's we're we're in the same circle. Cool. But so often it's like within five minutes of accepting that friend request, there's a message in my mailbox. I don't even have to look at it. I know what it's about. Yep. It's going to be, hey, we got this thing coming out. Would you mind doing a write up for us? That said, I appreciate that as opposed to the alternative, which is this kind of um, uh, fake checking in. How are things? Hey, dude, how's things going? <laughs> I don't know who you are. What do you mean? How are things going? Hey, cool. Yeah, I get that. And we're going to talk to me about third for 30 minutes or something before you get to the real deal, which is you want me to write the thing for you. Um, so I at least appreciate the directness of saying, Hey, we got a thing. If you're into it, write something. If not, then don't. But when yeah. sometimes they'll be like buddy, buddy, and then disappear or buddy, buddy. And if you're not interested, they're, <laughs> they're not your friend anymore. It's weird. So yeah, I, I can yeah. understand the ulterior motives or the kind of um, disingenuous uh, friendliness. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I, I remember some of that stuff too, and I was still like regularly contributing it at Cult Nation. Um, yeah, again, um, so you know, I think that the thing that like is also like just shitty is uh there's too many bands there's too many of us and now we all have to compete uh for uh i guess ad space because like let's face it you know no one's actually gonna write 800 words about why your band sucks even if you fucking deserve it um and so like yeah like i, I one thing i noticed uh, a while back like when we had our record um coming out was like i was like fuck dude like i don't want to you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to do like the press cycle thing. Like, I don't want to like hound down somebody from like nine web zines or magazines or whatever. So they can like say that like this rips, but I feel like you kind of have to, because like you're stuck in this like perpetual attention economy. And like, you know, you only get, you know, nobody even gets their 15 minutes anymore. You're lucky to get like five out of a lot of people. Um, and so uh yeah i remember that and what i think what i thought was interesting what i noticed is there's like this like weird pecking order even amongst the like the staff writers or the contributors at various magazines where it's like because like they're all the ones that are like putting up articles on you know uh everything from like you know decibel or like hard noise when hard noise was was uh frequent or like you know revolver cult nation metal sucks so you have all these dudes like because uh, mainly they all are dudes just for clarity um and then so like you're reaching out to some of these people but like they're also trying to like move their way up the clout chain and so like they want to know like they want to see if they can write about the biggest band or the biggest release they can write about and then so like you're hitting them like it's just like this crazy like little miniature cast system essentially um i don't have an alternative it all i mean it makes sense the way it all plays out uh to to an extent or to a degree um but it was something that i noticed and it's uh is exhausting yeah it's a 
Yeah, that's a good point. It's, it's a weird uh, biome of people who are, I guess, opportunists or um, at least looking to further their own career um, and find, because there's only so much time in the day as a writer. Um, and if, if you establish enough of a reputation to get where you have to refuse some or whatever, then I guess you have to kind of triage or pick and choose which which ones deserve your attention. Yep. Because I remember when I started, I was sending out blasts of, hey, can I write about your band? Can I write about whatever? Um, and now I would long, <laughs> long for that, where I'm, I'm like, got this constant... 10 deep list of things I'm, I'm, I'm find, needing to find the time to write about. Yeah. And I really wish I could, could do the writing that would allow me to get them done quickly, which is like this one, blow your eyebrows off, check it out. Oh uh, yeah. That's, you mean like what I used to do? <laughs> like basically <laughs> do, do like a paragraph about how you're like going to kidnap the most popular member of this band and just like hope that, hope that nobody reads it like oh fuck they read it <laughs> well i don't know i just always am like hmm, how can i place this into a larger social context and then oh. doing my little doctoral thesis that nobody's gonna read yeah yeah that, that i never like i sometimes i would like reach out to bands and be like hey like you guys rip like do you want me to put you on cult nation and uh, sometimes they would be like really stoked, and other times like people would be like not give a fuck at all. Or, like, like I w one thing I will say like watching you do the like music review or like you know contributor thing is like I, I often sometimes like sit back and be like how the fuck do you do that? Because like you've actually um, um, no names, you've actually uh, maintained some really legitimate friendships with some really awesome people and musicians. And I remember when I was doing it, like, I don't think I even got so much as like a thank you from like half the bands I wrote about um, or e even worse than like not getting to thank you was like some of my I wrote about some of my favorite bands. <laughs> I don't even think any of them knew the article came out in con like in conjunction, like with their uh, re release date, which mm -hmm. was like really frustrating i will say one that like was like heartwarming or whatever was like when the mo like the last all pigs must die record came out uh i was told through the grapevine that they thought my review was very funny and very good and uh that was the highlight It's the highlight of my uh music writing or music is just like uh i heard through the grapevine that some dudes thought it was funny i was like nice fucking killed it speaking of all uh underrated i've been thinking about that band a lot lately I don't oh, know, man. just because I just finished moving and I'm going through old shirts and I'm like finding all these trap them shirts and all pig must pigs must die shirts and I'm like man I forgot I had this dude the, those two right there are are huge in terms of like really <laughs> bringing in that that wave that would create the HM2 core phenomenon yeah. um i mean and both bands yeah, were doing it nine, like yeah genre yeah yeah i mean i think I, yeah I, I don't think either one was ever on a389 either which is funny but 
I think that's the sound of A389, though, don't you? Yeah, it's like it's like everything heavy in a blender and it rules. <laughs> like it's a smoothie. Yeah. Got to, all of it goes back to the smoothie, you know, trap them. That's a smoothie. All pigs must die. Smoothie. Eddie Brock. Smoothie. Seven oh, Sisters smoothie. Asleep. Smoothie. You know, like Eddie these are all Brock. smoothies. Wow. Yeah. Eddie Brock. I think Man. Haymaker was on A3. You know what? Haymaker, not a smoothie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know what? I'm going to stop the Haymaker conversation right there. But uh, <laughs> good band, though. I mean, right? What'd you say? A389 is back. Yeah, he he started. He did the Cold as Life record. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm wondering if he's going to do more. I hope he does. I don't know. Yeah. His label was like the most reliable for, for years. I That's where I found so much of my like. F- I got so much like inspiration in terms of like the kind of music I play, which again is like smoothie shit where it's like, yeah, like I don't want to just be a D beat band or I don't want to just be a death metal band. Like, why don't we just do it all? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I hope he does. And I hope that that era of like, just like dark, heavy, uh, kind of, uh, just dark, heavy, loud, fast. I, I don't know. Um, I assume that will not be in for a long time just because like right now, like, you know, like loose, loose fitting pants with like Converse uh, and like everybody having like a great time is like in right now. And I assume that's because our social conditions are like so bad that like a night out, you're trying to like have a really good time and forget about that. Hence, like, you know, the the rise in the hardcore, like adjacent style band. Like again, you know, drug church, easy example, lurk, easy example. Um, there are countless others. There's obviously the biggest one of all time that I'm not going to name. Uh, <laughs> are you meaning a lot of the more melodic stuff that's coming out? Kind of the yeah. bit more like post punk uh, wave that we're experiencing. Yeah, like it, like it literally makes you feel like you're like having fun. Like there's like sing alongs and there's like is there's like legitimate like pop elements in the music. Whereas again, like those those 2000 again that that 2008 2013 window where uh so many bands you know think of your mind erasers and everybody like them where everyone's just kind of like we're wearing all black everybody's mad you know what i mean like let's go um but uh again those were i think those were uh i i don't know if you can make the argument exactly that you know people's material conditions correlated to like how they wanted to feel on like a night out, you know, cause again, like that era wasn't necessarily like the, the best in the U S I'm thinking inflation certainly wasn't as bad as it, as it is today. So people weren't getting crushed or, or, or gouged in every element of their lives, but that might be a, that, that's a dissertation for another time, you know, <laughs> I'm realizing that my argument for why post-punk is like, at you know in in ascension right now uh is the same argument for why angry aggressive music is ever uh in its ascension is it's just a different kind of catharsis um because yeah i think people go to angry aggressive metal and punk shows to burn off whatever unhappiness and anger they can't express in a 
in a reasonable way in their daily life, but the same sort of thing might motivate them to go see a band that's going to get the whole crowd doing the jump up and down uh, in unison and singing along. Um, it's interesting how many of these bands are on hardcore bills um, and feature hardcore m- musicians. Um, uh, and, well, sorry, and sometimes just straight up get the get labeled hardcore. Yeah, we can't, we can't forget about that too. Which again, like being a stickler over genre classification, that's a whole different episode. Like if there's any merit to policing what is or isn't hardcore punk but anyway keep going i'm sorry well i mean i'm just thinking of stuff like um i mean military gun is probably the best example just for me just because i've talked to ian a little bit about it is here's regional justice center one of the most aggressive bands ever and then military gun is this fun musically cohesive musically inventive band featuring uh, members of of a lot of these other more hardcore bands all playing these catchy songs that get the crowd kind of singing along between or after a bunch of bands that just had people punching each other in the head. Um, and that's a really interesting phenomenon to see on the same bill. Um, it was most obvious to me when I was at Convulse Fest and you'd have um punitive damage and spy and scowl and you know you'd have all these uh drill sergeant and you'd have all these hardcore bands um playing and then in the middle of it you'd have military gun which is i would not call them hardcore it's really a post-punk band for me um which i it's an amazing band um but nobody left you know nobody went to go check out the merch booths at that time everybody was still there jumping up and down singing arms around each other it's there there didn't need to be like an agreement like hey here's the band where we don't kick each other's teeth out it just i don't know and and nobody was like who the hell brought this band everybody just got it yeah Uh, and that's been an interesting interesting phenomenon that feels new to me i haven't seen it before um okay well hold on let me uh, i guess let me interject the thing that i i think of with with that is i think of all those years that bands like you know title fight and like sea haven Mm. um you know even um trying to think tiger's jaw yeah there you go sorry that's the there we go there's three examples boom we're good three examples um but yeah, you know, I think of all the years that those bands were uh, very much, you know, a part of hardcore subculture, uh, mm. one way or another. They were on different tour packages, or like they were on fests. I mean, dude, like I one year I saw Sea Haven at Sound and Fury, and like, you know, dude, they got a bigger reaction from the crowd. They got more stage dives out of the crowd than like some of the hardcore bands that played that day, and like. You know, that's a fun, like on the surface, you're like, that's awesome. But then, like, you think about it, like, some of the bands were probably so fucking pissed. Like, yo, what the, like, yo, what the fuck, dude? Like, we ripped off Madball way better than everybody else at the fest. And, like, this fucking band just sings about, like, how, like, he's really upset that he doesn't have a dad. Fucking just comes out here and, like, they kicked our ass. They're better than everybody. 
it's like, well, yeah, man, I don't know what to tell you. But that's what I think of when I like I, when I see like where we're at with again like military gun. Incredible example is like I feel like bands like Title Fight, Tigers Jaw, Sea Haven mm. kind of did that walk. Kind of like yeah. you got all these hardcore kids and they're just kind of like, hey, let's start a band. And everyone's like, okay, I'm listening. And they're like, but like it's like fun, you know, we have like feelings and stuff. And they're like, what, yeah. what, what, they're like, what kind of feelings? Like anger? And they're like, well, no, other feelings. And everyone's <laughs> like, whoa, hold on, dude. I don't know if we can do this. Yeah. And then, of course, there's like one guy. Well, never mind. I'm actually not going to say what I was about to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that, I think uh, also while we're on the subject of military gun, I feel like the same way, like, you know, like when Matt Skiba joined Blink-182 and like all the Alkaline Trio fans we're like, God, are you fucking serious? Now there's less alkaline trio to go around. <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? I I am admittedly that guy uh, with military. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? I like, you make the best power violence band, the most popular power violence band probably ever. And now what? What the what? What am I supposed to do? Wear all black to the military gun show and stand in the back with my arms crossed? I can't do that. What the fuck, man? And that band is so good. Um, I've written two things for them, and I've at least gotten I've gotten saw them. I think I've only seen them once, but so good. Um, it's amazing how quickly they were able to transfer all that energy to a totally different style. Um, and nobody really blinked an eye. I don't think anybody was like, wait a second, you're not supposed to be playing this. Um, but it's, yeah, it's an interesting, because I also think, where do you, where else, do, maybe we talked about this with uh, John Hoffman a little bit, but where else do you go if, when you've like set a new benchmark for aggressive music? You do you just keep going further until you are like essentially a caricature of, of okay yeah 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 okay okay I have okay I have I have a couple I have a couple pathways for this just because again uh, cynical me is coming out nothing is new it's all been done before so you have a couple pathways as a hardcore band when this happens and I think that there's one path that there's one path in particular that no one talks about. And there's one band in particular that no one talks about, even though they were slash still kind of are one of the biggest, best to ever do it. And that's the trash talk path where you never compromise. You just continue to like be aggressive. You never stop making aggressive music. Um, the difference is you start to advocate for yourself and surround yourself with other genres, other artists, other, you know, other managers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you eventually break out of kind of the hardcore world altogether. And you bring the hardcore show to these like very pop culture arenas, uh, both literally and metaphorically. I mean, the word arena there. Um, and you know what I mean? And I, again, I think that we, uh, that's, that's certainly one pathway you can go. Um, so I think that that's trash talk is, the logical conclusion to like, how far can you go with never really compromising your sound or like your, your show um, is okay. Yeah. You can be trash talk and go on tour with like suicide boys. You or know what odd, I mean? Odd future or something. Right. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. Well the, the, you know, their, their, their friendship and partnership with odd future is like, you know, really what 
what set it all off. And obviously, you know, um, I'm not going to speak for anybody in the band or anything, but like, yeah, they, you know, they've, they've, uh, it's it's an incredible effort that I actually don't think could be duplicated any, anymore. You, there's so many things that all four of the core members of that band did behind the scenes that I just simply don't think anybody has it in them to like work that hard to, to get what that band got. But that is that is one pathway. Um, and then I think the other pathway is, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think you're wrong. Um, is like, OK, well, shit, this is it's like the, the, the other one that I think of is the ceremony playbook. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, shit, like we've done this to its logical conclusion. This is as good as as we can do this genre and they're like all right fuck get a anthony get a keytar and you know what i mean mean? (laughs) he's like what like get a fucking keytar um and so i think that that's um i think that those are your pathways and again like i hate to be like that but like it's it's kind of it's it's all or or start playing doom oh i think that's the john hoffman approach Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Can't forget about can't forget about that. Um, and then, the, then there's also the like. Then you do the like, or you can be like, uh, or you turn into like shoegaze, like Fender Fender Jazz Master guy, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not mad at. You know, I get it. Ceremony's <laughs> a mind bender for me, but then again, they name themselves Ceremony after a New Order song, I think. So I don't think the fact that they turned into like the smith's worship should be that out of the out of the ordinary it's i just lament what used to be yeah yeah no i i feel you again like you know i think about ceremony and trash talk a lot mainly because they are the bands that i saw the most as like a, a kid um but i think about them a lot just because of their 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 pathways to like what you know their their success like when you hear when you hear both bands, like when they're like at their peak of like doing like mainly like hardcore, I mean, trash talk never stopped, but when you hear both of them, the last thing you think of is like, Oh yes. A- arena band on huge festivals on huge tours. Right. And yet um, it's, it's happened for both of them. And I think that there's a lot of, there's even, uh, I think if we had some, some of the older, some uh, even older, uh, older dudes or older, older girls on the show, uh, they would tell us about, similar bands like you know maybe maybe biohazard's a good example from like the 90s and um i i think the list goes on and on in terms of like people being like oh this surely this band isn't going to be the thing that cracks and like makes it into the pop culture world and and sure enough um i think you could pick one out for every era of like subculture um you could find this example you know band like military gun is is uh, gonna be added to that list respectively uh it's like it's awesome man like i yeah it's so hard to do that my question is why is trash talk now i'm not putting you on the spot here but i i feel like in, in there have been a few episodes where you and and or the guest um have talked unfavorably about bands who graduate to the festival circuit, particularly those who end up doing really big arena tours, um, 
so why is Trash Talk the band that's being held on a pedestal because of their ability to do that? And these other bands have lost their credibility for doing that. That's you, a good you've been kind enough not to name those bands, and I'm going to play ignorant and think I don't know who that you're talking about. So just in the abstract. Yeah, that's a good. <laughs> that that is a that is a good question. Um, I mean, the simple answer is that like they're like my favorite hardcore band of all time. So like ev- they get a pass for everything that they do. Now, that's like <laughs> that's me like uncritically answering your question. Um, I think that in in one sense. Uh, so for, you know, for those that don't know, just, uh, some small, small, some small trash talk accolades or just history here. Um, the band was largely, uh, in independent and, um, toured, I mean, r- r- relentlessly, um, the bands that I've thrown shade at for, for the things that you're talking about, Evan. We're, we're talking about bands that put out like one live stream during COVID and then just blew the fuck up or like put out like one two song EP. Um, and they're like, oh, okay. And then like, you know, you, we got fools right now on fucking like major tours who like, this is like their first band. This is their first tour, you know, uh, you know, getting like green room accommodations, uh, you know, sleeping in hotels every night. And I get it. You know, there's not a musician in the world that wouldn't take that deal, but there's still something about it, you know, call me a, I guess, call me old, an old fashioned, like hardcore punk guy, but there's something about it that kind of rubs me the wrong way, kind of not earning any stripes on, on the road. Um, so there's, that's, there's one element there of trash talks, uh, rise without the internet era. Uh, although to be fair, they were really big on MySpace. They were really good on MySpace. I remember that as a kid, they like really use that platform well. And that's what sucked me in, uh, aside from the word of mouth at my, at my high school, which I was fortunate enough to go to like a high school with a big hardcore kid population. Um, but, uh, I think one of the other things too, is like, you know, the trash talk collective, again, um, all, all, all independent organic relationships got them to, uh, being able to like tour with rappers. That's what I was kind of talking about earlier about like you, most bands do not have the ability to do that or, or, or even try. And this is where it gets complicated. And this is where I have to walk on eggshells and I'm hoping that you'll understand what I'm saying with this. Um, you have to, you have to really have some, uh, serious cultural understanding and you have to have (laughs) some serious flavor to, uh, be able to get asked to accommodate or uh, to join uh, some of the biggest rappers in the world on on tour like that. You had there's a level of street smarts and just a level of general social intelligence that there's something about the something about trash talk that is just again just it doesn't get talked about enough. Um, and I think that that there's an element there that. Uh, has been missed completely by some of the other bands who have made it to that level without uh, putting in nearly as much sweat equity, right? The, the debate that we're falling into and we will continue to like have, I think not just you and I, but uh, uh, people who love this music is like, what really matters most? Is it sweat, sweat equity or is it being smart uh, with how 
you upload everything your band does onto whatever social uh, media platform is um, the most popular. Yeah, that's a totally adequate answer to that question. Um, I guess if, if you had to make a, make a prediction, would you think that those uh, those bands who've made it without putting in the legwork will have less staying power? Do you think that that quick ascent means uh, I, that your time at the top will be shorter? Or do you think that's an arbitrary detail? Uh, I would... I... I would I, I I I couldn't answer that. I would have to say it's probably, dude. You know what? It's it's probably more arbitrary. You know, like because I've you know I haven't been on many professional tours in my life. The two pro level tours I've been on, I actually don't have a lot of good things to say about. People who know me know this. Um, but what you end up seeing is you see these people who have like pretty much from the get go, from their first band or from their first like paid gig or whatever. Like they've only known good accommodations they've only played out of good gear they've only got they've only known how to like get paid to do music they wear the fake leather jackets you get at h&m it's disgusting um but uh and so to, to answer your question no i i think that some of these bands probably have immense amounts of staying power because you know again i'll, I'll tie this into like my overall just kind of generic worldview about material conditions being the dominating factor in how people's lives and livelihood can uh improve or take a turn for the worst um we're, we're that's we're seeing that now bands with bands that have their material conditions uh elevated at all times are, are going to be able to stay on the road longer they're going to be able to not have to work a day job so some of the bands that have been uh gifted these great opportunities i think will have even greater staying power because they're because like they're getting paid that's the thing again that's the statement that i, I don't ever hear anybody just come out and say yeah these people are making money uh, it's never phrased that way um but that's the situation so I, I actually think that i think that some of these people and some of these bands who i don't really care for i'm gonna have to deal with, i'm gonna have to deal with scene for the rest of my goddamn life <laughs> whereas like some of my all-time favorites are gonna like fade into oblivion, and if I'm lucky, like somebody will wheel them out in a wheelchair at like fucking like Sound and Fury, like twenty forty-five or some shit like that, you know? Yeah, then but then they don't have a chance to like put out that album that you. Hate. <laughs> I guess it's the dying at twenty-seven of hardcore bands. Well said. I, I you I guess yeah no you're right yeah you're absolutely right I, and i think that like um you know with that in mind too like that's probably why gulch is stopping again i i hate talking about just bands of their size and caliber because like everybody fucking there's nothing to talk about everybody everybody likes it you know everybody respects why they're stopping and so but i think that what you just said there is really really credible Yeah, it's just an interesting dynamic to me to watch. You know, I think that more people have more resources available to them, but there's now than they ever have. But that also means that there's the, the opportunities 
appear to be more numerous, but the rewards for for those successes are going to be fewer. It's like that scene in, I don't know, if, have you seen A Beautiful Mind? That that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's the movie where Russell Crowe is like, he's like does math problems and he like thinks there's people talking to him and like yeah. turns out there was nobody there. And he like leaves a baby in the bathtub and he like solves more math problems. Yeah, so like one of the early scenes in that is, if I'm remembering correctly, is he's like doing calculus uh, on how best to approach a woman at a bar. And if you and a bunch of guys are approaching her, then none of you has much of a chance of whatever. Um, but it's sort of like that with hardcore now, where it's such an in genre where more people are being driven to it as fans and as musicians. As here's if if you're a musician who wants to be a famous musician, doesn't not because you want to play hardcore, but because you want to be on a magazine cover, now's the time to get into hardcore. Yes. Um, it's, it, it, this is the genre du jour along with death metal. And I'm not trying to take anything away from successful bands because I don't know what their intentions or backgrounds are. But now's the time to get into death metal and hardcore if your goal is to be a visible musical celebrity. Um, because i don't know what what's another genre that's equally exalted right now and in right now that's not ariana grande you know those are kind of the in genres for for this sphere so um where was i going with that oh so there are going to be x many more people looking for those same few spots yep um which i mean a capitalist would say that means that we're going to get the best stuff because competition means that that's not me. <laughs> and I don't know that, that the results have proven that, but I'd have really no way of knowing that. But I no, I think, no, no I, I think that that, I think that, you know, that is, that's the marketplace of hardcore, despite, uh, despite endless amounts of songs written about how they, people don't like capitalism. Um, what you just said is 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 accurate yeah it's it's then i remember that scene now nobody go for the blonde is right. like is like the strategy um yeah and you know again i've i've i i have seen it as well you kind of have like these i mean i i just call them like little grifters basically like little clout grifter kids who are just like oh we'll just like do this kind of band right now and you know somebody will put the record out and then like you know we'll go on tour and um it's happened with every wave of bands through the years. You know, there were countless, there were countless, the, the HM2 wave, one of my least favorites of all time. I mean, I'm sure you, I mean, that, that's probably the one most recent one in memory. The same thing's happening right now with like the like goth post-punk thing. I mean, how many, how many sisters of mercy wannabe motherfuckers are there out there now? It's endless. It is an endless sea of, uh, uh, Andrew Eldritch uh, wannabes or Wes Eisold wannabes is more real realistic because they can see that connection where they're like, oh, like you know, Wes did Cold Cave and he's just like, I mean, he's just he's just fucking cool. I mean, I'll just say that he's just a fucking cool like looking dude in every way. But um, 
that that pipeline that he unintentionally created has I've also seen uh, what economists would call market saturation and uh, same with um, uh, I mean yeah just I mean pick pick a pick an offshoot of, of hardcore you could um, so I'm rambling I, I'm gonna stop no it's just interesting to think about i i think that from from day one part of our kind of i guess it was day one was the underrated conversation about what are the variables that create a band's success or failure yeah and i don't know there's still a part of me that likes unsuccessful bands more than successful bands and i think that's just because there's this juvenile part that feels like this is a band I have to myself. Uh, yeah. But but I'm beyond the point where I begrudge a band their own success, where I feel like I'm not allowed to like them anymore, or I'm mad at them, or or they've betrayed me somehow by becoming successful. I just like um, dollar bin bands. <laughs> yeah. No. Me. Me too. You know. Like so when I'm when I'm like writing songs for my own bands, like, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't turn to like what the Spotify hardcore playlist has for me. You know what I mean? I have my own gems that I dig out, re-listen to and be like, Oh yeah. Like let's, let's maybe try a drum beat similar to that on this record. Like that's what I was thinking of. The thing that's like ironic with all that is like, you know, we've talked about so many times is, um, uh, and people much smarter than me have written massive books on this exact issue is like, you know, in the age of social media and streaming platforms, like nobody's really getting paid what they're worth. And uh, there is there is money in, in being a musician. There is money in, in creating stuff that people listen to. Um, but again, so many of these platforms have chosen to to eat it up. Uh, additionally, um yeah, artists are uh, kind of forced to be on tour as much as possible if they want to get any of it. And again, you can do you can do really well on tour as like just a DIY hardcore band. There's uh, there's tons of bands that that do fine. Um, however, and again, as as the cost of everything continues to go up, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much longer even our best di you know I, when i say diy bands i'm talking bands with no management no booking agent none of that uh, i'm not sure how much longer even some of those bands can with withstand you know because again how you know how, how many like with t-shirts now are already up to 20 to 25 dollars at just like your average dive bar or like all ages uh venue show um i'm not sure how much more bands can get stretched and uh, how much more people are, are willing to get stretched um, to, to do this. Um, so. What do you think about bands that don't tour? Like, I, I think that's more of like a, especially a black metal thing and a, and a bedroom producer type of thing. But you mean like, like Daisy? <laughs> Yeah, or just, I mean, 
who, by the way, I, I actually, I, I, again, sorry, just I got to throw this out there just in case he listens to this. Uh, another, another, another military gun casualty for me. It's like, what the fuck, man? Like, you had to go join that band too. Like, I wanted you to tour. Guys doing, guys doing '90s era Jesus and Mary chain worship. Every song is a hit. Like, come on, man, let's go. Get the fuck out on the road, dude. Your shit rules. But anyway. Um, Most of the examples I can come up with are like black metal musicians who are just themselves putting out albums. But um, I I imagine it must exist in the hardcore sphere. Um, that's a good I mean I mean the only one I can fucking think of is fucking is uh is like is kind of like you know Trevor Woundman where it's like yeah. he's just fucking he's just in there he's just fucking in his laboratory like just with like a bunch of like bloody fish hooks just cranking out heat you know what I mean uh, but even even they're going to even they're getting ready to like actually um tour uh, what do you mean? What do I think of it? By the way, I'm sorry. I'm. I'm. I. You I guess, really question. I guess a more specific question is: Do you think that touring and performing is totally essential to the climate or the the kind of um, worth of a band? Could you have like a a good studio hardcore band? Because there have been like metal bands I've seen that seen live that clearly all the work was done in the studio because live they were terrible. Uh, yeah, many of them, and I don't know if if I've seen that much in punk and hardcore. I mean, for I think I think even though there's an argument to be made that yeah, you could have a great studio hardcore band that everyone would would love. Our our culture. <laughs> our culture our people no um, <laughs> i just don't think uh i i, I don't our, the whole foundation of our culture is conditioned to like just not be okay with that and not yeah. like that which is funny because again you know when you look at pop culture you look at like you know pop r&b and you know rap hip-hop i mean think how many of the biggest artists in the world right now uh, they didn't. They never toured before, and something they put on like SoundCloud, for example, uh, blew up over. Not necessarily overnight, but I'm going to use the overnight just to like you, you know generic example. Uh, Post Malone, White Iverson is the one that comes to mind. Um, but there are others. I think. Um, uh, why am I drawing a fucking blank? Um, oh yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I think City Morgue is was one as well. They had never toured or anything. Uh, they had just had a bunch of heat online, um, so it's weird. People because, like yeah. Billie Eilish and Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah, yeah. Again, like you know, there, there are countless examples where someone like just uh, again has like never toured or played live or anything, um, but and and uh, just like normal normal people who like fucking whenever it rains outside, look at their coworkers and go, "Man, we really needed that." They totally are fine with it. They're totally fine with that being uh, a way for someone to, you know, make a living or, or showcase their art to the world. But with hardcore and punk, we're like, we're like, what the fuck, bro? This band, this band didn't like sleep in some punk squad and all get fleas, posers, you know. Which like, I even I honestly, even personally, I totally believe that. You know, if you never got fleas, 
that's some poser shit. So I think that uh, the the other side of it is there are plenty of bands who just play in their area. Um, like how many bands have I seen in Arizona that I think are huge bands, but I then eventually realized they're just an Arizona band. Yeah. I don't know if Burnout ever played anywhere but Arizona. Burnout did a did like a pretty much like a full US tour with oh. uh with uh, uh that band of Squela or sorry, <laughs> Squela Grind DM. Um <laughs> anyway, um but Anyway, yeah. you get the idea, right? Like I feel like there are a bunch of probably Iron Lung bands or uh, Youth Attack bands that are just they all have enough of the same members of other bands that they can't legit tour, so they just kind of play shows in that state or that region and um because they can't like sacrifice enough of their other bands to to actually tour 100 percent. i do want to also add one one thing one caveat speaking just from my own experience and just from like various friends bands that i've seen come and go over the years again we go back to our conversation on like you know which whichever bands are actually get have the cash to do it can do it um it's 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 an it's not a secret cheat code or hardcore punk cheat code but if you have popular people in your band um you're more likely to have someone go oh this person from that band is in this band let's do the record oh this person from this band's this band oh cool yeah yeah let's tell them let's yeah like let's let's book you guys a tour or whatever like for you know what i mean or you understand what I'm what I'm getting at. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the first questions I usually ask is, "Are you all in any other bands?" Just so I get some frame of reference. Yeah, yeah, and like that's, I mean, that's that's kind of how, uh, that's how the politics of the scene really get, in my opinion, um, spread out. When I was a kid in Southern California, sometimes I remember like, and in hindsight, this was not a valid reason to be angry, but I just remember being like. Man, like I, I've been I, so many shows I went to. Like I just saw like the same, the same, the same dudes like on stage, but like all in different bands. And I just remember thinking like, man, like when are these promoters gonna like give like not the same you know fucking thirty people the stage for once? You know, like mm-hmm. surely there's other people and there's other there's other bands that are good doing this. Um, but you know that's. And again, like I, you know, I don't know for better or for worse. That's <laughs> that's just not how business is done, my boy. Um, it's it's it does come kind of down to like who who you know, um, who in your band has social capital, like who thinks your band is cool. Like it's it's fucking irritating. And again, I mean, this is why you're so disarming to <laughs> to so many bands is because like you're not bouncing this shit around in your head all day long. Uh, and then someone comes up to you blind at a show and you're like, what the fuck do you want? What's up? Like, what, (laughs) you know, it's like, um, but yeah, I, uh, I think that, you know, it's like, we have like a, it's a pretty vicious cycle. Whereas like, if, if, if you don't have any members of your bands that aren't like established people or aren't, if you're not like a members of band, like, you know, speaking of like my own band right now, the one that I play in, all four of us took a break from music for like you know six years me and the drummer were the only two that had actually ever been in bands or like toured before the our other two members had never even done a serious band 
ever in their lives. And, um, you know, we're all approaching 30 now and like, we're just barely like, we're barely, uh, uh, breaking out of the like label of like, Oh yeah, pretty good smaller band. Like we're about to get into the, like can sometimes afford to rent a van medium sized band with still, um, no help. It was, a, it's, uh, it was a, it was a dog fight to, um, not just make connections, but make genuine ones with people who, who could help us because we fucking needed it. You know what I mean? We had no bargaining power when we started pig city. It was just like, Hey, we have this band. None of us are really can well connected or cool or uh, well-established people. We're all very rusty. Like who, who can help? Um, and Arizona helped uh in every way but i i think about if we had started the band in southern california i remember my bands in high school there we wouldn't have fucking made it six months um there's there just was a bigger pond and there's that means there's bigger fish you know my impression and this is just probably my own bias but i get the impression that socal has a pretty doggy dog mentality and Arizona tends to have a more of a, Hey, let's put you on our bill mentality. Can you speak to that at all? Yeah, I can dude. I remember when I first moved from Southern California to Flagstaff and then the first time I drove to Phoenix for like a show or whatever, I remember like, Cause again, like, you know, like I had like toured and played in punk bands in high school and stuff, you know, like I, you know, I still like, it had been a minute, but I remember like what it, what a good opening band typically sounds like. Cause I was one forever. And I just remember being like, wow, this band sucks. Like what the fuck is going on here? But I later kind of changed my, my attitude because I was like, oh wow. Like so many promoters in this state, like when touring bands come through, like they just want the show to go well. And so they're down to like, they're down to give new bands a chance. They like to see new bands try their hardest. They like want uh, a cohesive scene. And, uh, you know, Southern California is the mecca of, of this style of music. Um, Southern California and New York, you know, like that's, it's, it's literally baked into the culture. You know, I, I got a bad brain CD when I was in second grade, it was just handed to me. Like, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. And I know that a lot of my friends from Arizona, it was just one state over, can't say the same, you know, like they like got into, you know, they found like Hawthorne Heights and like the Bled, you know, those were their gateway bands. Whereas like for me, people were like, don't listen to that shit. Listen to Black Flag. I'm like, okay, I'm 10. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, you know, like wear high socks with your vans at all times. I was like, that's okay. All right. This is what we do, I guess, you know? <laughs> Um, sorry, I'm just going on a tangent now. Like you're like interviewing me for some vice special, but essentially, uh, I'm going to make sure to distort your voice and put your face in a shadow. Hell yeah. I deserve that. Um, but yeah, no, dude is, uh, the level of competition again, it's just, just a, just a smaller pond. And then like, uh, yeah, I mean, dude, like when I, for again, for, for example, I, when I was in high school, I had a really short lived power violence band and, you know, we were pretty good. Our drummer was phenomenal, which was the only reason why we were good. Um, and uh, I remember trying to like 
get on local shows there and local bands we were competing with were bands such as rotting out and nails you know (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. like no one gives a fuck what we're doing (laughs) there's there was no it was very uh uh that circle of people is was something that again like i grew up around my whole life and still to this day was i've never been able to like even be on friendly terms with uh not for any malicious reasons just because like it's just a tight knit group and uh, they, they like to keep it that way. Like, hence my earlier beef growing up being like, why are like the same, like just this revolving door of dudes in the same bands, like in, in this whole, you know, like uh, Southern California is fucking massive. You can do a whole tour of just Southern California. If you wanted to, if you wanted to, you, you could do a different city every night spaced out enough. And there's a good chance you'd get a crowd. Like it's massive. And we have the same, like, 15 to you know 25 people in every hardcore band opening every show like it you know chain or pharaoh's den or, or wherever like come on i think that there's a lot of um i feel like scrappies in tucson was probably important in setting a tone for scene loyalty uplifting small young bands um giving bands who are kind of getting their legs what getting their sea legs a shot um and it's funny because now i'll see concerts where people will come for the local bands and leave for the headliner yeah and that's that's a weird a weird thing to witness and i feel like the headliners are as confused about it as as i am but i'm starting to try and think of analyze that a little bit and from a cultural standpoint and that's it's an interesting one yeah yeah um i can't speak to that i can only speak to like i can only speak to what you already asked me about which i can i can talk about all day i, I don't want to sound like i don't want to sound bitter or anything because I, I have a tendency to sound like i'm more mad about this kind of stuff than i am it was an uh, it was a privilege to be from Southern california I, uh, yeah, it, it made me just instant, instant punk credibility, whether I wanted it or not, you know, I got it. You know what I mean? It was awesome. I've seen everybody I've ever wanted to see because of living, uh, in that state. Yeah. You probably, by the time you got here, Scrappies was probably gone. huh? Yeah, it was, it was, you know, I, the only place I was like doing shows when I first moved, uh, to, to Flagstaff was, uh, I just, everyone I met through the grapevine I was like oh yeah you just gotta go to the Nile the underground in Phoenix or like there was the clubhouse um which I was at I, I coincidentally I did end up going to one of the shows that led to it closing it was a, it was a terror show mm-hmm. um somebody just hurt somebody hurt themselves it was no no drama other than like someone just hurt themselves at the show mm-hmm. um but uh yeah yeah so yeah it was it was a weird culture shock for sure. Cause I remember t- <laughs> speaking of terror, sorry. I remember being like, yo guys, like we better get our tickets early. And everyone was like, what? And I was like, yeah, we should probably get these like a month in advance. You know, like it's terror, like it's going to sell out. And everyone was like, we'll just get them at the door, man. It's fine. And, and I was like, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I was like, huh, man, you guys are playing with fire. You know, like I got my tickets early and everything got the little fucking, you know, printed out my, you remember when you like, would print out the ticket master tickets, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
like yeah like i fucking got my ticket early and everyone like i get there we get to the venue and it's like the venue's like half full most of the night and i was like uh, i was like oh man this place is weird what the fuck is going on in this city yeah i uh started bouncing right after scrappy's turned into 191 and i was bouncing at 191 um and the first show i was bouncing at was the last hour of the wolf show uh ludax was doing a reunion amazing i can't remember who else was on that bill but those two really stood out to me um for obvious reasons oh yeah dude that place if i weren't bouncing that would have been one of the best shows i've seen but instead i was doing security with a regular band shirt on because they didn't have a security shirt to give me and so i was just this guy walking around telling people to chill out <laughs> and uh it's kind of killing people's buzz and having Damn. an anxiety attack well singer of ludax pulverizes his face and bleeds on everybody in the crowd dude okay he dude i mean that guy i think his name's tyler one of the best to ever do it yeah like again you know what i mean we we've talked Not about speaking like, underrated dude insanely under underrated band um yeah uh we've talked a lot about like what can like a front person actually do that's like you know, that makes people go like, oh, fuck. You know what I mean? Like, I think he was he was one of the last frontiers of like making people go like, oh, that's disgusting. Like on stage again, if somebody were to copy him verbatim tomorrow, I don't think it would have any effect. But in those moments when they were playing, you were like, you're like, oh, did he just? Oh, I think he did. Like, oh, that's disgusting. I can't believe he just did that. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> And he's also a deceptively big guy. Like, he left his, like, Letterman jacket on the stage or something, and I brought it over to him, and it was like, I remember him, remember him kind of towering over me, and I was like, oh, yeah. This is why you just barrel through the crowd like they're nothing. Yeah, dude. Fucking, yeah, that's... But yeah, that's there's, it's all on YouTube. Like, that whole show is just a beehive of a crowd, and I was around there trying to trying to use like my classroom management skills to make sure that people are coming out alive. And how did that go? Uh, the sound guy came up to me at the end of the night and said, uh, cause I had had to talk to some people about like changing some of what they're doing. <laughs> sound guy came up to me at the end of the night and said, uh, uh, don't ever do that again. I don't know why it worked, but it, don't do it again because they'll usually just make it worse because i was like trying to tell people stop kicking people on the head while in the head while they're on the ground and yeah it was nobody like coached me on good security mentality it was just like going in as a school teacher with some martial arts background it sounds like a real Stanford prison experiment hour. Yeah, like, well, I mean... If you get the guard uniform, you will become the guard. Well, that was the the worst part was I didn't have a guard uniform. I just had an old man gloom <laughs> t-shirt. And then magically, when I bought a security shirt on Amazon, all of my problems disappeared. Yeah, dude. That's sick. 
I'm gonna wear a security shirt to lie detector at the end of the month. <laughs> I just remember the, the the moment I remember when when like the shirt working. This is like a five dollar shirt that just said security on the front. And the moment I remember it working was uh, maybe I declare war or something. Some band I wasn't really super into. Um, and somebody came at me from behind a pillar, this haymaker, and then saw my shirt and like switched the punch to like a pat on the back and kept running. <laughs> and I was Hell like, yeah. oh man, this shirt is like, I don't know, like hydrophobic oil on a car. You know, you gotta take, you gotta take the victories when you, uh, when you can get them. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Well, shit, where do we go from here? We've really, uh, yeah, I don't even know what we think about titling something like this. <laughs> mixed bag. Mixed bag. Yeah, mixed bag or something like that for sure. I mean, you know, hey, we had to get a, we had to get another episode done. We hadn't yeah. done one for a little bit. Are the fans, the fans were going crazy. Evan, <laughs> I get, I get, I get emails from Spotify every day. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad I was. This is the first show in the new place. Uh, now that I've moved for the first finished moving and I'm getting ready to move again in five weeks. Um, so it was good for me to kind of get my head out of the boxes, literal boxes and, uh, get back on in the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I know. Yeah. We, uh, we touched on all kinds of good stuff. Um, so hopefully, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully someone listens to it and learns something they didn't know about uh, our bizarre cultures, politics. Cause I feel like that's mainly what we talked about tonight. <laughs> Well, there are definitely like podcasts I listen to that are just like me being a wallflower around people having a casual conversation. And sometimes I need that during my commute. So if people aren't trying to do the deep analysis and they just want to hear people catching up, then that's good enough for me. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, fucking, we need to do a, we need to do some, we need to do some academic shit here soon. Or otherwise, we're going to have to change the name of the podcast. <laughs> By the way, if you are an academic who listens to punk or know an academic who listens to punk, send them our way. Um, we're trying to, we got, we got a fair number of musicians lined up, but I'm hoping to get some more professorial types to educate us. Yeah. Yeah. We swear we, we actually have read all of your, uh, all of your conference papers that I was able to find on JSTOR. So <laughs> you know get at us do you want to do any underrated gems or if we talked about enough of them no dude fuck it i'll just do one i've been really bad i just always do like bands from the past makes me sound even more like jaded and angry than like i already am so i'm gonna do a modern one um uh a band from san diego who, in my opinion, truly does not sound like anybody else right now, while still very obviously being a hardcore band. It's called All Beat Up. Um, played with them a couple times back in April. And uh, yeah, again, they just like, they literally don't sound like anybody, right, that I'm hearing right now. Uh, chances are they will not be rewarded for their, <laughs> for their unique approach to the genre no one who is who does something like that ever is but shout out to them 
Yeah, I haven't listened to them, but I've got them pulled up on Bandcamp right now. So yeah, check it out. Like, like I said, it, it's uh, it. There's some parts of their songs I'm just kind of like, what? That's bizarre. I love it. You know? <laughs> yeah, I love that stuff. Um, I think this one kind of fits into that category as well. Uh, this is an Arizona band, um, Ugly. Um, if you're in Arizona, you probably know them, especially if you're in northern Arizona. But Ugly is nominally a sludge band, but really they're doing entirely their own thing, um, especially live. Um, members of Transient and Landmine Marathon, but doesn't really sound like either of those bands. Um, Ugly is especially live, just like nothing I've seen before. And I love going to shows where they're an opening band that nobody's really heard of, uh, opening for a much larger band. And they win all the touring bands over and all the crowd over. And it's one of those local bands that makes it really hard to be a headliner band who's touring because they just set an incredibly high bar with their really wild approach to heavy, heavy sludge. Wow, well said. Yeah, I got not, nothing from me. Now that I think about it, too, I think the first review review I wrote was a three-way review between Pig City ugly and joy oh yeah because all three things are, coming down to yeah. live a lie every yep yep, yep 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 honestly my only beef with that was that like i felt like the pig city section should have been longer and like the other band sections should have been much much shorter does that make was sense it, was it disproportionate uh uh yeah in the sense that like you should have just like only been like these two bands are pretty good and then like only talked about big city that was like <laughs> that's like what i think would have made the review much better um <laughs> i'm just you know just throwing it out there just from one from one former music writer or contributor or journalist whatever fucking word you want to call me uh to another <laughs> yeah well, i appreciate the feedback um, yeah yeah listen listen and to anyone else who's listening um write about big city you know uh we're sick we're the best way better than you are banned for sure <laughs> cool all right fuck it that's it thanks everyone appreciate you peace <laughs>